Well, praise the Lord, Surf City. I'm excited to jump into part two of our It Ain't Canceled series. I'm here in the auditorium. I miss you guys, but I want you to have church with me right there in your living room, in your bedroom, wherever it is that you're watching. Let's go ahead and dive into this word. If you will, if you could turn with me uh, to the book of Genesis. We're continuing in the story of Joseph. Genesis chapter 39. What book did I say? We're going to Genesis chapter 39, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 through 20. That's the pericope that we are going to focus on on today. But I want us to continue to dive in. Listen, am I the only person who feels like you are being followed at all times? I mean, I'm not a paranoid person by any means. I'm not talking about paranoia. I'm not talking about thinking that, you know, there's somebody who's out to get you. But, you know, it's insane because if it's anybody other than me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When you're online, and I mean, with my wife, it's insane. We actually focus and note these things. I could be just talking to her about something, just having a conversation in regards to something, and then I'll Take out my phone, open up my phone, and what's the first ad that pops up? An ad about exactly what we were just talking about. Anybody experienced that? You know, and then if you search one thing, it seems as if now after this, you could have looked up a pair of sneakers or something. And suddenly when you go on Google, when you go on Google ads following you, all sorts of things following you. And it oftentimes would seem as if you are being followed. And that thing that you looked up, but you know that you can't afford right now, you know, and you were like, you know what, man? Oh, I got to swipe out of this because I can't afford it, you know, and, and, and you put it aside, you know, that thing just starts following you, following you, being like, buy me, buy me, buy me. You know exactly what I'm talking about, fam, because it seems as if, you know, as soon as you put something in there or even with our phones now, even if you're speaking about something, the algorithms and the way that your phone is wired and these systems are wired, they are designed to put stuff directly in your view so that you are always tempted or challenged or whenever you are ready that, you know, at the opportune moment that you will purchase that you will click on, that you will like, that you will see. You know, that's the way that it works. And so the fact of the matter is that oftentimes we don't get to choose what is in our view. There are outside systems that are in place that are set to be able to help us to determine what it is that we consume, what it is that we see, because their desire is for us to take next steps. Now, as we're talking about it ain't canceled, and as I've been challenging you, even as it pertains to last week, uh, about the fact that God has given us dreams. And last week, the message, if you missed it, you got to go ahead and, and look back at it in on YouTube or on iTunes. We preached a message called pit happens. And the fact is that there are things often that will happen, that will come in our path, that come against the dreams and the visions that God has put in our heart. But even with these things, although pit happens, the pit can't 
cancel the promise of God. And so we started looking at the story of Joseph and how Joseph had this dream. And as a result of his dream and sharing it with his brothers and his family, it landed him in a pit, which ultimately landed him uh, being sold into slavery. And now the story picks up in Genesis 39. And you'll see where I'm going when I'm talking about this. In Genesis chapter 39, we find here, if you will, Genesis chapter 39, verse 1. I hope that you went there as I asked you to. says, now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt and Potiphar, everybody say Potiphar, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. Verse two, the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his Egyptian master. Bible says in verse three, his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. So Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. This is nuts. So as I told you last week, man, don't matter where you are, the favor of God on your life, the presence of God in your life is not determined by your situation. It's not determined by your position. And here, even in the midst of Joseph being sold into slavery, he ends up in a favored position where the presence of God is realized upon his life here in the house house of his master to the point where he is made an overseer. Come on. He has made an overseer in this place. And the Bible makes it clear and says in verse two, that he became a successful man. Everybody say a successful man. And so although he was in this position where he was thrown in a pit, where he was sold into slavery, the favor of God is still real on his life. It's still recognizable by those who are around him. Watch this to the point where he is elevated and success is his portion. And I want you to know this. The fact is that although this was not yet the dream, the realization, or the uh, ultimate, the culmination of the dream that God had put in his heart and that God had showed him as we learned a couple chapters before this, although this was not the case, all of these were still stepping stones. Somebody say stepping stones to him coming to the place where he realized and he began to walk in what it was that God had destined for his life. And so here in this moment, we note that he is a successful man because his dream was something that uh, pointed towards him operating in a place of success. This was in him. This was something that was beginning to manifest as he was being positioned, even through hardship. Come on, COVID-19. Even through difficulty, the success of God, the success that God called him to, the prosperity that was upon his life was beginning in this moment to manifest. Now, I want you to note this. I want you to note this as we're talking about this. I want to discuss this, and it's important because as believers, we need to understand that God has called us to be successful in what it is that he has assigned upon our life. And as I told 
told you this dream that God had given Joseph was not just about him. It was about the posterity of his father's line, which ultimately was going to be the way that the Messiah was going to come into the earth. But it also was ultimately for the glory of God. And so the fact is that whatever it is that God has put on your heart, whatever it is that he has called you to, whatever it is that he has destined for your life, it is not just for you, but it's for the generations ahead. Come on, somebody. And not only this, most importantly, for the glory of God, but he has called you to prosper in that. He has called you to succeed in that. You know, there's some people that will teach you that God just wants, if you're a Christian, you just have to be low down and a worm and you got to be, you know, this. No, you can be humble and still successful. Come on, somebody. You can give glory to God and you can succeed in everything that he has put you in the earth to do. In fact, I want in the comments for somebody right now say, I will be successful. I will be. This is not some name it and claim it, turn around seven times and this time next year. It's none of that. All I'm saying is that it ought to be your goal. Come on. If you indeed are called by the Lord and your desire is to glorify God with everything that he has put in your hand, your goal ought to be to be successful with every single thing that he's given you, with everything that he has put in your heart, that you ought to be successful in this. You ought to prosper in this for the glory of God. Come on, somebody. Now, I want to establish this because Joseph ends up having a difficult situation that pops up, uh, which challenges him in the area of temptation and the area of his character. And he is in a position where we learn that although this is a pit stop on the way to the promise of God, there are some great principles that we learn in regards to temptation and to dealing with temptation as we are moving forward. And I want you to understand this because the fact of the matter is that the enemy's desire is for us, especially in seasons such as these, to be tempted to be able to take the carrot or tempted by instant gratification to challenge us to go aside from the ultimate things that God has designed for our future. And so in thinking about this, I want you to understand Satan is not an enemy of your salvation. He's an opponent of your success. Well, let me say that again. Satan is not an enemy of your salvation. He's an opponent of your success. What do you mean by that, Pastor Andrew? Well, the fact of the matter is this. The devil cannot determine whether or not you get saved. Salvation is of the Lord. Jonah 2, 9. It is the Lord who draws. God says, none can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Come on, John 6, 44. Salvation is of the Lord. Bible even makes it clear in John 10 verse 28, Jesus, after he makes it clear that he gives his sheep eternal life, he says that no man can pluck you out of the hand of God. So if you are saved, you are saved. And that's that. There is security in salvation. In fact, that's freeing for somebody right there. Come on, somebody. Somebody you thought that you had to get saved and then make payments on your salvation like you do a car or a house. And if you stop making payments, then, you know, your salvation is out of here. But the fact of the matter is that we are not saved by our works. Come on. And once God gives us salvation, we are saved. And I don't have time to go into a deep soteriological conversation 
conversation around this, about how God saves us and all of this. Nonetheless, it's important for us to understand this because the devil cannot pluck you out of God's hand. Therefore, he is not after your salvation. If you are saved, you are saved. Nonetheless, he is after your success. My, my, I feel this thing. He is after your success. He is after your prosperity. He is after your, uh, your victory. Come on. He, he's okay with the fact that you're going to go to heaven as long as you don't live a life that causes other people to be pointed to Jesus. He's okay if you are saved and you're headed to, headed to heaven, but you still live your life in a place where you are bound and where you don't realize everything that God has placed you in the earth to do. And I don't know about you, but I'm to the place where I want God to get every ounce of glory out of my life. There are areas, if I can be real, where I am continuously being challenged and I am growing. That's why we say no perfect people allowed. I am growing, but my desire is that when this life is over for me, or if Jesus cracks the sky first, that at the end of the night, he gets the most glory out of each and every single area of my life. And so the enemy's desire is to get you to the place where you are not successful, where you are not prosperous in the earth, where what happens with you stops with you. I am determined to live a life that goes beyond me. Come on, that a life that is successful, a life that is prosperous, and it's not just about having stuff and things and being able to have your name and lights or any of this sort of stuff, but I want to be successful in everything that God has placed me in the earth to do. I wonder if there's anybody that that's your testimony and you are determined not to let anything hinder your success. In fact, in the chat, if that person is you say nothing will hinder my success, make that declaration by faith on today. And so I want you to see this because as we continue in the story, this is pretty riveting. It's pretty crazy. Joseph has a scenario where through temptation, his success is challenged. And let's look uh, and see how he handles this. So the Bible makes it clear and says here in the text, uh, if we look, if you will, at verse five, says from that time that he made him overseer in his house, house and uh, over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Imagine the blessing of God so strong on your life that wherever you are, that the blessing of God follows and that God blesses certain places. God bless your job because you're in that place. Oh, I don't know who I'm preaching to today. God blesses your situation and blesses the place that you're at just because you are present. Come on. The Lord blesses the Egyptian's house, a heathen house for Joseph's sake. And the Bible makes it clear and says the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in the house and in the field. And then verse six says, so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge. And because of him, he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. And the Bible makes it clear and then goes on and says, now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. And verse seven, and after a time, his master's eyes cast her eyes on Joseph and said, lie with me. She casts her eyes on Joseph and says, lie with me. Verse eight, but he refused, my God, 
and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in his house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. And I'm going to stop there in verse eight for now. Now, this is powerful because we have many examples in scripture about individuals. And by no means are we saying that Joseph is a perfect person, but we have tons of examples of men who made mistakes. And we see the ramifications of the mistakes that they made and the collateral damage and the people who were affected because of their mistakes and granted they moved forward and God blessed them and all of this and this is wonderful but those mistakes had some issues as a result of them not saying no to the things that faced them as they were going forward and I love this because this is an example of how to successfully move past temptation I'm glad we have an example of someone who victoriously moved past temptation and decided that something that what was ahead was greater than what was in front of him at that moment and so if you will I want you to understand this because here's point number two it's going to be on the screen for you point number two uh, if you're with me say give it to me give it to me give it to me here we go point number two some of the greatest temptations we face are ones we're not looking for come on pick it pick it let me say that again some of the greatest temptations we face are are ones we're not looking for come on a lot of us think that temptation is based upon the fact that we are looking for something you know and there are many of us that face temptation based upon things that we are looking for our appetite and so we're out there and we're looking for stuff but how many of you know that some of the greatest challenges uh, and that and the greatest enemies of our success are things that will come and pop up out of the woodworks that we were not looking for note this uh, Joseph was just minding his business Joseph was just like okay fam I've been thrown in a pit I, I've been sold into slavery now I'm in Potiphar's house and now success is taking place and he is in this position where he is experiencing what you could consider the good life and suddenly out of nowhere he's not looking for nobody Bible says he is just handsome come on it's not his fault that he looked good it's not his fault that he is of good appearance and out of nowhere come on can I just paint the picture out of nowhere this fast woman decides that she is going to cast her eyes upon Joseph and when she casts her eyes upon Joseph she then goes and asks Joseph to lie with her some of the greatest temptations are things that come and knock on your door you didn't have to go out and look for it you was just minding your own business it's not your it's not your fault that God made you looking nice come on somebody it's not your fault that you got curves and in all the right places it's not your fault that you have a million dollar smile it's not your fault about any of this but suddenly out of nowhere there's so am i the only person that's been in this position things will just pop up out of nowhere come on when it is that you decided that you're going to get your credit right finally you say you know what? i'm gonna have my stuff together i'm not spending credit like cash anymore i'm not wasting money and perpetuating the generational pattern of poverty that has happened in my life and suddenly out of nowhere credit cards will be sending you all sorts of money and you're like man i don't want it in fact i was just in 
Walmart and I was there a couple days ago. I was going to get some cheesecake for, uh, for date night. Come on, somebody. Try to get some cheesecake for date night uh, with my wife. We had, you know, we have date night, our date nights uh, through the week that we set up. And, you know, and, and I, I, if you watched a few months ago before all this, we were talking about the $3 cheesecake. Listen, fam, the, che- the $3 cheesecake was on discount for a dollar and change. Woo! My God. And see, my wife likes when I save money. So she was very, very excited. And let's just say we had a grand date night. Come on. But as I'm getting ready to check out, I'm at the checkout line and I'm getting ready to go out of the line. And as I was paying, my car just starts, eh, 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 just starts not working, starts giving me issues. So I'm like, what on earth is going on with my card? So I end up calling, you know, the lady. I tried it a couple times and it didn't work. And so I called the lady to come and assist me. I was hoping that she'd be able to help me to figure out whatever it is that's going on. Two twos, fam. Two twos. This woman, while she's dialing the stuff, doing the override code and doing whatever she needs to do, she's going to pull out, uh, she's going to talk to me and say, hey, uh, so have you considered getting a Walmart card? Have you considered? And I'm like, what on earth? You know, you'll save this amount of such and such on your purchases and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, I'm okay. I'm going to use cash. Uh, I'm going to be all right. You know, we're, we're, I, I'm all about using cash and making sure that I have the money for what it is that I'm purchasing. You know, don't you see my dollar cheesecake and whatever? And she's like, no, well, you know, you have the, uh, you can get this card and there's no annual fee. I'm like, there's no annual fee, but there's interest, right? You know, and she's like, and she's like, well, of course there is. I'm like, well, I'm fine. I'm okay. Thank you. I'm going to go ahead and think. So while she's doing the thing on the machine, the stuff is still not working. I got to go over to the next machine. And as I'm talking to her at the next machine, as she is finally getting my stuff together right before she's going to ask me, so are you sure you don't want to go ahead and get that credit? No, I don't want your credit card. I'm trying to get a house. We saving towards the down payment for a house. I don't want your credit card. I don't want your devil interest so my dollar cheesecake could end up being ten dollars no fam no thank you we've been out of that come on somebody and so in that moment it's nuts because it just popped up out of nowhere and if it was times past i could have easily fallen into the scam and fallen and slipped into the trap and begun to digress and had issues in my marriage and all sorts of stuff and and i know right now there's some of you as we're talking about your dream and even as we're talking about what's happening with COVID, especially in this season, there are many of you that the temptation is to quit. Come on. The temptation is to throw in the towel. Suddenly, out of nowhere, you might have been watching a show or I've even since somebody watching a show and out of that show, you saw an example of somebody who killed themselves, who offed it in the middle of a challenging time. And you're saying, well, you know what? Uh, things are to the place where it's so bad now that I feel like offing it myself. You got to get to the place where you recognize recognize the plot and the attack and the ploys of the enemy that pop out come on of nowhere that are there because the enemy's desire is to make you to the place where you stop where you quit where you die full of everything that God has placed in you listen it's not enough to go to heaven don't base the summation and the total of your life based upon one chapter come on one chapter in the book does not mean that the whole book 
book is over and sucks. You and I, we got to get to the place where we realize that it ain't canceled. Come on, somebody who hasn't put it in the chat yet, put it ain't canceled. Don't matter what it looks like. And if you hang in there, come here, Galatians 6 verse 9. Bible says, don't get weary in well-doing for in due season you will reap if you do not faint. You better not quit. You better not throw in the towel. God has something that is greater for you on the other side of this season. But if you faint, you will not be able to eat the fruit of the harvest. Neither will the generations that are ahead of you. You are the answer to a problem in the world right now. You are an answer. Come on. God has placed something in you that the world needs. Can I just prophesy to somebody who's watching? And the fact of the matter is the enemy knows it. And this is why it's his desire to do everything he can to snuff it out. And he says, you know what? If I couldn't kill him in the pit, if I wasn't able to stop Reuben in the last part of the story from stopping them, from killing him, come on. If I was unable to stop them in that moment, then I'm going to send a woman. Come on. I'm going to send someone out of the blue. There's someone who is being tempted right now to step out of your marriage. You weren't looking. You were doing everything you could. You went online looking at church stuff and somebody just slipped into your DM. Come on, slip in the DM ministry. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You were looking for it and suddenly out of nowhere, they came in the DM. Look at the text and see uh, what it is that continues to happen hereafter. So Joseph's master's wife, uh, because he's handsome, she extends the invitation to the bedroom party. Here it is. And then verse eight, it says, but he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. Verse nine, he is not greater in this house than I am. Look at the authority that Joseph had in this moment. Nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself because you are his wife. Come on. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God. And then verse 10, and as he spoke to, as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. This is insane. Here we find in this moment that Joseph responds, come on, he responds with destiny on his mind. Joseph responds with posterity on his mind. Joseph responds with with this dream that is still there. He did not forget what got him there. Come on. He knew that where he was, that it was not the final destination. And consequently, he answered and he conducted himself accordingly in this time of challenge. And so Joseph was a success guardian. He's like, you know what? You are here to threaten my success. You are here to threaten what God has put in my heart. And so consequently, I'm going to do everything to make moves against you. And so look at what Joseph does, because I believe that there are some things to consider. It was his perspective, especially in this season, perspective, your attitude, your view, how you see yourself and how you see what's happening that is going to determine your success when your faith is tested, when the temptation comes. And I don't know what it is. It might not be a woman, a half naked woman telling you lie with me. It might not be a financial thing, but you fill in the blank you know exactly what it is that the enemy has been sending that may have come up out of the blue come on 
to try and challenge you and to get you to give up, to get you to give in, to get you to compromise or to trade the future and the destiny that God has assigned for you in the earth with what you see right in front of you at the moment. And so note this, the first thing that Joseph says, watch this, he says in verse eight, behold, because of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house and he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself. Now I want you to understand this. Joseph recognizes that he has responsibility and authority. Come on, somebody in the comments put responsibility and authority. He recognizes he has responsibility and authority. The master has given him such a charge in his house. He has authority. He even has more authority in his house than the master does himself. And so he recognizes because of his responsibility and the authority that he has, this fast woman, this sketty Betty is not worth it. You and I, we got to recognize when it is that the enemy comes knocking and stalking and popping up out of nowhere, we've got to realize and check it and measure it against the responsibility and the authority that we have. Come on, you have authority in Christ and you have responsibility. There's no way by God's grace that I can step out on my wife and do something crazy, not because I'm not tempted, not because I am in a position where now because I'm married that I'm not attracted to any women that may uh, walk by that look good or that propose themselves to me, but because of the responsibility, especially that I have. Come on, somebody. I have a responsibility to show my children what it means to be faithful. I have a responsibility to show my sons what it means to love and to cherish one woman. Come on, and to honor the covenant that you declare at the altar that it's not just some cute magical words that we say, you know, just because everybody's watching, but it actually, we actually mean the things that we covenant when we cut covenant with our spouses at the altar. Come on, I have a responsibility to you, Serve City Church, and to those, the thousands that I get to speak to around the world to make sure that I am in a position, that I am stewarding the pulpit, I am stewarding your lives and your ears well come on because you are trusting me to be able to share there is responsibility what does responsibility look like in your life the reason why many of us give in to temptation as soon as it presents itself is because of our lack of an understanding or our realization of the responsibility that we have come on but not only this i gotta move i gotta move note this he goes on and he makes it clear in verse 9 he is not greater in this house than i am nor has he kept back anything from me except yourself because you are his wife I want you to understand this. He goes on and in wisdom, he says, listen, I have all sorts of authority. I have access to everything. I am greater even than my master in his own home because of the favor of God on my life. And so, but the fact is he has given me all these things and the only thing that he's kept back from me is you. Come on. And so not only does Joseph recognize his responsibility and his authority, but he also recognizes recognizes in wisdom the boundaries come on that he has and the margin that has been established this is very important because i want you to realize that many of us we get caught in the trap
trap by looking at what we don't have and we fall into the pit because of what we don't have as opposed to recognizing all that we have access to. Joseph in this moment is like, listen fam, I have everything, but the only thing I can't have is you. Come on, there are so many things that you have in your life and if many of us, especially in seasons like this, had a focus of gratitude, we would get to the place where we recognize and acknowledge all of the amazing things that God has blessed us with instead of looking at the stuff that is not working. Come on, the reason why booby traps come in our way, come on, pun intended, is because we don't recognize the fact that we have incredible wives or husbands that are in our lives. And and so as a result, because of maybe an area that they are lacking or growing in, it gets us to the place where we will step out as opposed to maximizing and celebrating all of the things that we have in our spouse that works right now. Can I just talk to some married couples? The fact of the matter is, if you look from the beginning of time, God tells Adam and Eve, God makes it clear to Adam and Eve in Genesis 2, verse 16 and 17, they can eat from every tree in the garden, every single tree in the garden. Now, mind you, Adam and Eve have massive authority. They have been given authority by God to be able to name stuff, to be able to do all sorts of things. They have, I can not I can only imagine what the fruit looked like back in those days, what the trees looked like back in those days, what all of, how glorious. I mean, even with the sin-marred condition of the world today, when we look around, fam, I mean, it's all sorts of beauty that's around us. I can only imagine pre-sin what things looked like. And God tells them, he says, you can eat from everyone except the tree of knowledge, good and evil. And the enemy from the beginning of time tempted our first parents, Adam and Eve, by getting them to the place where they decided that instead of enjoying all that they had access to, all that was around them, that they would instead go and give in to the one thing that they were not able to have. Come on, somebody. You got to get to the place where you recognize that the boundaries that God has set up are healthy, the margin that is in place in your life, the time that is set aside, the things that you are not allowed to have are for your good. Come on, somebody. And there is more, there is more that you have access to and you are able to experience than the things that you are unable to have. Who's with me on today? And this is the reason why when it comes to Christianity, you're like, I can't come and become a part of Christianity because there's so many don'ts, don'ts and things and don'ts. Do you know how much freedom there is in following Jesus? Oh my, I feel this preach right here. You know how much freedom there is in following Jesus? Christianity is about a relationship with God that will change and transform your life. I wonder if I got a witness on the other side of this camera. My life is so much better since I have given my life to Christ. My life has purpose. Come on, I have relationships that even when familial relationships went sour, that I have
have relationships in the family of Christ that are even greater than the relationships that I lost. Who's a witness with me on today? There are so many incredible things that I have in Christ that the boundaries that have been set in place have all been for my good. Don't let the enemy dupe you into thinking that what you can't have is greater than all that God has for you. Come on, you ought to, if you're excited about all that you have access to as a Christian and as a believer, I want you to go ahead and put those hands together and give the Lord praise. The last part of this, he says, he says in verse nine, in the C part, he talks about, he says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And this is nuts because when you're thinking about this, this is what Joseph ends up saying. Joseph is saying, he's, he's like, listen, man, not only is this an issue as it pertains to my responsibility, not only is this an issue as it pertains uh, to the authority that I have and the boundaries and the perspective that I have, but this also is jacking up my worship. Come on, if I get involved with you, this is going to mess up my worship. There are many of us, you are more concerned about offending people than you are of about offending God and I wonder if there's anybody in this place that you are to the place where your soul loves Jesus so much that you're like man you know what I'm not going to give in I'm not going to throw in the towel I'm not going to sleep with that person that I am not married to I am not going to give in and just give up on my financial goals or the dreams that God has put in my heart not just because of what it will do to me but because of what it will do to my savior Joseph's like listen I can't do this sin against God. This success that God has given me is not just about me, but it's also most importantly about his glory. And so because of the worship that God deserves from my life, I'm not going to give in to you, heifer. I'm not going to give in to you because God deserves the worship. He deserves the glory. And you and I got to get to the place where it's not just about us. It's not like we don't want to sleep with this person just because of uh, of what will happen to them or what will happen to the generations, but it's what do you do to the God who saved you? What do you do to the God who came and he died for your sins and gave you and I the greatest depiction of love that we ever would experience? What is it doing to him? This is why Ephesians chapter four, verse 30 says, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God with which you were sealed until the day of redemption. God has feelings. Come on, God, this is why we know that God is personal. God is not just some distant being uh, out in the galaxy that we can't be in touch with or we can't have an experience with it. God is a God who has feelings. And this is why Paul encourages uh, the church at Ephesus and us as a result. He says, don't grieve the spirit of God. And so Joseph is like, God has been way too good to me. Come on, for me to give in to this foolishness. I wonder if there's somebody right now, if you love God, that you can put your hands together and you give him the glory you're like you know what the reason why is God come on the reason I'm not gonna give in is because of God the reason why he's been way too good to me he deserves my best and he deserves my worship and my glory and consequently I am not giving in to your temptation who's with me come on but not only this as we bring the plane down for a landing I want you to note this because the Bible makes it clear in verse 10 even though he said these things says, and she spoke to Joseph day after day 
And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. And then verse 11 says, but one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house were there in the house, she caught him by his garment. Now, I want you to note this because here, this is a sticky situation. Yo fam, this woman was thirsty, guy. She was thirsty. She wanted to jump this man's bones clearly and she was not taking no for an answer. She is just blowing up the man's celly every single day, day by day, trying to call him in, trying to get him to this place. And notice what happens. She waits until there is no accountability. She waits and she is strategic. She says, you know what? I'm going to wait till no one is around and then I'm just going to go for it. Come on. She is strategic in her attack. She is strategic in her temptation. And so here it is, point number three, we've got to be strategic and relentless in guarding our success. Come on. You've got to be strategic and relentless in guarding your success. The enemy's desire is to catch us off guard. Come on. His desire is to catch us with our pants down. His desire is to catch us when we are in the position, when your wife is on her period. Can we just be real? Pregnant or something of this nature or wives when your husband is acting up and don't want to do stuff right. That is when he will send people your way to tempt you into doing things that God's desire is not for or tempt you into doing things that will challenge your success. Even for some of you watching right now, this is revelation. You're like, man, you're right. There are things right now, there are people in your situation that are strategically being put in place and you have been allowing them, you have been allowing them in this position to do these things, but you got to get to the place where you peep that game. Come on, somebody. And you stop acting all naive and you look out and watch and see the attack that is coming. So in verse 12, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Watch this. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of the household and said to them, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came into me to lie with me and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that, I lifted up my voice and cried out. He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. So she reaches out at the opportune time and grabs Joseph's garment. And when she grabs Joseph's garment because she is just thirsty, fam, it was a thirst trap, Joseph gets to the place where he's like, nah, fam, we're outie. Joseph gets up and he bims. He runs out of there and he leaves his garment. He leaves his stuff there. She ends up lying on him about what it is that transpires. And here again, we find just like in the chapter in chapter 37 where they stole Joseph's coat come on they stole his coat uh, and here we find someone stealing his clothes again but the end of the day here in in this passage he might have run out of there naked physically but he ran out clothed in his character come on he ran out clothed in integrity he ran out clothed with a mind that was focused on carrying out everything 
thing that God has called them to. I don't know what it is that they have stripped you of. I don't know what it is that they have taken from you or that you have had to leave behind in order to run out of a situation. There are too many of us that are negotiating with devils and we spend too much time sitting around trying to figure it out or Joseph could have easily said, well, she caught me by the garment. God is a forgiving God and so now we'll just come back uh, sooner or later and I'll apologize to God because there, this is a trap and I can't get out. But Joseph says, you know what? I'm not negotiating with devils. Come on. Like the U.S. says, we don't negotiate with terrorists. You got to get to the place where you're like, I'm not negotiating with no heifer. I'm not negotiating with any person that is out to destroy the vision and the dream that God has on my life. I'm going to make like Usain Bolt and run out of there. Come on. And I might leave some stuff behind, but I got my character and my dream is still intact. Everything that God has called me to is still in place on and for my life. You ought to give the Lord praise. I want to just talk to somebody. You've had to leave some stuff behind. See, Joseph in the first part in Genesis chapter 37, they took away his coat. Come on. And they pushed him in that position. But here he made the decision to leave his garment behind because what was ahead, come on somebody, meant more to him than what he was experiencing in that moment. My God, he didn't even run back and she's a woman. He could have easily overtaken her and said, give me back my clothes, fam, and ran back out. But he says, no, I'm not even staying. I'm going to leave the garment behind because this garment is not worth it. Come on. You got to get to the place. There's some of you, you've been negotiating. You've been trying to work it out with somebody that has been undervaluing you. You've been trying to walk through certain things that you know are wrong and negotiate and set up parameters so that stuff can look okay. And God is saying, it's time for you to let this thing go. Come on. Knowing that what's up ahead and the dream and the promise that God has for you is much greater than that which you are leaving behind. Come on. If you know it, if you know I'm talking right, I want you to put those hands together and give the Lord some praise. Come on, somebody. And now in this moment, we find that as a result of her lying, that Joseph ends up getting in trouble and Potiphar throws him in prison. And so as a result of him doing what was right, he ended up getting thrown in prison. But we're going to see next week. You got to come back next week. How even this is a setup for the dream that God placed on his life to come to pass. And so if he gave in, although he may have been in a comfortable situation, that comfort probably was going to kill what it was that God had for his future. Come on, somebody. And here she lies on him. I want you to know that when you're in the will of God, that even Liars are lifters. Man, I wonder who's hearing what I'm saying. Even liars are lifters because the prison, which we're getting ready to learn about, ultimately positions him for what it is that God has for his future, for the dream to come to pass. And so when she thought that those lies in that moment were going to position him to be hindered, she didn't realize that even her lies were lifters. A liar was an elevator. I don't know who I'm talking to. There are some of you that are concerned about the fact that someone has 
light on you. Come on, because of what it is that you have done that is right. Come on, you have been trying to do everything that God has called you to, and as a result, it has landed you in some challenges. And I want you to know and understand that even your enemies will be your footstool. Your haters are your elevators, and God can use even the life of people who desire to jack you up to catapult you into the dream and the purpose that he has for you. Come on, if you believe it, you ought to put those hands together one more time and give the Lord praise. And so I don't know who you are or what you're facing today or what temptation is looking like for you in this season, but remember that Satan is after your success. He doesn't want the generations after you to prosper. He doesn't want you to experience everything that God has called you to. And so you got to get to the place where you guard your dream, you guard your success, you guard what God has given you, make it your desire to prosper by God's grace and to succeed at doing everything that God has called you to. I'll end with this scripture, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13, one of my favorite passages of scripture. For those who are new to Bible, this is one you want to put in the memory bank. It declares and says that there is no temptation that has taken you or that has come and jumped upon you that is not common to man. In other words, whatever you're facing, someone else is facing it. And he says that God is faithful. That's a good one right there. Who will not suffer or allow us to be tempted above what we are able. Come on, somebody. God won't give you temptation-wise more than you can bear. And he says, but with the temptation will make a way of escape for you to be able to bear it. This is a scripture that we ought to hold on to and that we ought to be blessed by as we walk forward into everything that God has called us to. And so in this moment, you know, for those of you who are watching that do not have a relationship with Jesus, you don't know, you're hearing me talking about all these dreams and, and purpose and all of this. You're like, I don't know anything about this. In this moment, it's no coincidence that you are watching, that you are listening to this. And I want to invite you into a relationship with God where you can find purpose, where you can find hope, where you can find destiny and you can walk it out, where you can have eternity secured. No matter even if you die, you will be with God forever. And so right now in this moment, the Bible makes it clear, it says that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. The Bible also declares that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from death, that we would be saved, saved from hell, which is a very real place, saved from death. When you die, you go to be with Jesus and you'll be with him forever and ever in heaven and in the earth made new ultimately. And so in this moment, if that person is you, if you don't know Jesus, I want to invite you into a relationship with him. Or you may be someone who has run away from him. Even if you have run away from him, he has not run away from you. And I want to encourage and invite you today to come back home. And so I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's not the prayer that saves, it's Jesus who saves, but this is a line in the sand. And you're saying today is the day that I begin a relationship with Jesus. Or I come back home. And so if you will, in this moment, I want you to say, God, thank you for sending Jesus. Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins and rising from death with all power. Come into my heart and my life. Be the Lord of my life and be with me now and forevermore. And I thank you and praise you in Jesus' name.
Amen. Glory to God. Come on. We celebrate you with that decision. Thank you so much for tuning in and God bless you.